our, our vision over here says engage God, engage church, engage culture. And so in order to engage culture, we need to be in the culture. In order to engage the community, we need to be in the community. And so this is something that the community is doing. And there, there's an open invitation for anybody to participate that wants to participate. And so we're going to go in. And I'm telling you what, we're going to give out the best candy on that loop. That's the way it is. That's the way it is because God is a God of excess. Amen? But not of waste. Oh, we'll get to that in a minute. Well, maybe we won't today. Hey, we have a testimony that I want all of you to hear. Uh, God is doing amazing things. God continues to do simply amazing things. And I'm just so excited. Allison came out on Wednesday night, and uh, we were doing this whole love of the Father thing. And she said, listen, this happened. And she started telling me about it. And I said, yeah, I want you to share that. That's real powerful. I want you to share it at the end. And then I only got half the story, and we went long on praying for people. And so she didn't even get to share on Wednesday night. So all you didn't miss nothing because she's going to share right now. Uh, but I heard more, and I heard more, and I heard more. And I said, you've got to come and share this testimony because the people need to know. They need to hear, right? Why do we share testimonies? Because what God has done, he will do again. The, 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 the testimony of Jesus is the spirit of prophecy, the Bible says. And so when we give testimony about what Jesus has done, we prophesy about what he will do, about what he's going to do. And so Allison's going to share exactly what happened with her, and uh, we're going to pray for anybody. So just be attentive. Listen to, what, listen to this testimony. It's awesome. I, I, I get excited when I share this because it, it just, it's off the charts. For me, absolutely off the charts. But I had jury duty. And um, sometimes the Lord lets us see incorrectly on purpose. And I always go over all my cards and everything, all the information for jury duty to make sure I'm right. I mean, I copy it down on my phone. I write it down. And my number was 22. And so I knew my number was 22 when I called. Sure enough, my number was in there. So when I went in on Monday... And I got in there, and um, the woman said, just write your name by the printed version of your name. And my name wasn't there. And I said, my name's not here. And she said, oh. And she looked at my card. She said, that's, that's because you're 722. And I said, no, I'm 22. She said, no, you're 722. And she showed me the card. I was like, do I go home? Do I come back? She said, no, we'll take you. So off I went, and I'm thinking, what is wrong with my brain? And got into the courtroom, and it was a very bad case. It was a case of child murder. And several people said, nope, can't do that. And I was, I was, my hand was inching up, and I'm going, Lord. And I didn't hear anything, so I said, okay, then you must want me here for a reason. And as the jury session went on, picking the jury was very, very difficult. Many people, one woman broke down in the jury box. It, just, it was just a very hard, difficult and depressing. And I went home Monday night, knowing I had to come back on Tuesday, and I was very down. And all of a sudden, I thought, I think I remember this case. I remember the news report. So I'm thinking, okay, well, that'll get me out of there, because, Lord, I do not want to be on this jury. And so Tuesday came, and I went, we went through the whole day, and our last group went up and sat in the jury box. And I had, there was a list of questions you had to answer. And I said, I think I do remember this case on the news. He said, okay, we'll circle back with you. Well, there were dozens of people they had to circle back with. So when they got to me, I had to go into a room behind the courthouse, behind the court right there, a little room. And I stepped into the doorway, and there was a wall, not visible, but a wall that I literally stopped me dead. And I, and I was confused by that, and the judge said, come on in. So I walked in, and there was a conference table, almost conference table, and I sat down at one end, and the prosecution was sitting at the opposite end, the defendant and his attorney was sitting there, and I looked up, and I looked into their faces, and I swear I saw demons. I swear. I, it was just like they were sneering at me. And it was just, I, I, and I finally, I looked over to the judge because he was the only safe one I could look at. <laughs> and the whole room was surrounded Apart from that, with people, people were surrounding the whole entire room, the circumference of the room. Sunlight shining in, and it was as dark a place as I've ever been in my life. It was frightening. And 
he just asked me to tell me what I remembered. I told him, he said, you remember the case very well. Can you be objective? I said, yes. I was out of there and never so thankful to leave. And I, of course, I did not get picked on the jury. I went home Tuesday night, shut the door and locked it, and I burst into tears. And I couldn't stop crying. I felt like I was carrying the weight of the world. I felt so depressed and low and heavy. And my sister called me at a good time, and we figured that it was probably because the queen died, and our family has this thing about the queen. We loved the queen. My mother looked like her when she was young. So we had this thing, and it probably brought back things about my mom's death. And I thought, okay, well, that kind of makes sense, but I don't understand why I'm so down. So I went to bed. Next morning, got up and burst into tears again. And at that point, I went, I went out in my living room and sat down. And I said, Lord, this is not normal, and this is not me, and something's very wrong. Please reveal to me what's going on. And I saw the room behind the courtroom that I entered into, and I heard pit of vipers. And that's exactly what it was like. It was like a pit of vipers. And all of a sudden, the Holy Spirit must have taken over and said, you know what's going on. And something had attached itself to me, or got, the enemy was using just these oppressive spirits to oppress me. And the Holy Spirit took over. That's the only way I can describe it, because I've never done this before in my life. Come on. I stood up, I said, oh, no, you don't. Oh, no, you don't. I am a child. I'm a daughter of the King of Kings. I am called blessed by Jesus Christ of Nazareth who died to save my sins. I am redeemed and you have no part of me and you are to leave right now in the name of Jesus. Amen. And the boulder fell off of me, flew off of me. I mean, absolutely flew off of me. I was filled with joy like he has. I'm dancing in my living room. <laughs> dancing, singing praises to God. I was just, I was out of control. And I get that way every time I tell him, I'm like, I just want to scream. Yeah, it's just, just so incredible, <laughs> the feeling. And I kept that joy. I still have that joy. I still have that. And after a few days, I realized that God had taken a whole lot more off than just that. He had broken some major strongholds in my life. And from the time I was very, very young, from the time I can first remember, I had a voice in my head that said, there's something wrong with you. So anytime I failed, and I, well, there's something wrong with me. I've had that with me every day all my life. And last Monday, I was driving home from prayer. Now you've had and, people specifically uh, pray for that very thing to be taken off of you. I've had, yes, I, in the past I have had people pray and it did go, but there was an emptiness that I didn't understand, and I invited it back in, and it came with friends. And that's what happens. And again, I don't blame myself for that. That's a huge thing for me, not to blame myself for anything. Come on, that's good. I don't blame myself for that. I know what happened. But last Monday. I understand it, but last Monday, I was driving home, and all of a sudden I realized I haven't heard that voice once Come since on. that happened. Come on. God broke that stronghold. And what happened Wednesday night, Pastor Matt was, he said the verse, you know, that, that you, are, you are formed, you know, you formed me in my mother's womb. I am beautifully and wonderfully made. I am beautifully and wonderfully made. I could never say that. I could never say that verse. Wow. And when that verse happened, I would just cower and cringe inside. Wow. I am Fearfully, Come on. and I am wonderfully made by the Lord Jesus Christ. I am saved. I am redeemed. And he's got me. He's got me. Come on. So, Come on. Come on. Give just, the Lord some praise. praise God for this. What an amazing thing. What an amazing thing. This is, uh, this, oh my, my, I'm telling you what. I'll tell you what. I have become increasingly, um, I don't know what the word is, frustrated. You know, there's a holy, uh, there's a holy frustration that I have toward um, insecurity, 
toward the lies of the enemies, there is, a, yeah. there is a holy frustration rising up on the inside of me. And the more and more I hear about it, the more I'm like, no, no, no more. And this is the first of many of testimonies Amen. about del yes. deliverance in Jesus' name. Right now, all across this room, we do this every time there's a testimony like this. If you struggle with anything that Allison spoke of, I want you to stand to your feet right now. If you struggle with negative thoughts, negative thoughts that won't leave. If you struggle with depression, she talked about depression. If you struggle with anxiety, I'm going to throw that in there even though it wasn't mentioned. These are all things in our mind. These are all things that can be influenced simply by the enemy speaking to us and us hearing him. We're going to pray. Allison's going to pray. I'm going to pray. We're all going to pray. And then here's what I want you to do. And here's the most important part of this, guys, is when, when after Allison prays, after I pray, I want you to pray for yourself the same way she did with the authority that she did. You rise right up and say, oh, no, you didn't. Come on. I mean, you can yell. I've heard some of you. And so I'll pray, Allison will pray, and then you pray. So, Father, right now in the name of Jesus, Father, every person standing, every uh, lie of the enemy that's represented by every person standing, every thought that goes through our mind, we cast it out right now in the name of Jesus. We declare that we are children of God. We are made in the image and the likeness of God. We have given our lives to Christ, and the enemy has absolutely no place here. In any of us, we shut the mouth of the enemy right now in Jesus' name. Allison, go ahead and pray. Father, we just thank you and praise you that you give us the authority. Yes. You give us the authority to dismiss what the enemy means for evil. Yes. And we claim that, Lord. We claim that right now in the name of Jesus, that you would pour into these people. The Holy Spirit would pour into them, rejecting, rejecting what the enemy has developed inside of them. It doesn't matter how long you have had this, how long you have heard that voice saying, you're not good. You're no good. There's something wrong with you. You fail too often. That is a lie from the pit of hell. Yes. Reject it in the name of Jesus. You are better than that. You are kings and queens. You are the children of God. Come on. God does not intend for you to live this way. God does not intend for that voice to dictate how you live. God dictates how you live. God dictates how you live. Claim Hallelujah. it in the name of Jesus. Claim that authority and tell that thing to go. Come on. Tell now. that thing to go. It does not own you. It doesn't own any part of you. It has no part of you. God has all of you. That's right. Claim it in the name of Jesus. That's right. Claim it in the name of Jesus and tell it to go. Come on. To leave Begin you to pray. forever. Begin to pray out loud. Every pray one of you loud. at the top of your lungs. Come on, sometimes we just need some volume. Oh, Tell that thing to go in Jesus' name. Let me hear you pray in oh, Jesus' God. name. Take the authority that God has given you yes. and declare it with your own yes, lips. You are God. You are daughters and sons of the Most High. He wants you free. Bless them, Lord. Give them freedom. Give them the authority, Lord. Build within them strength and confidence in saying, I am fearfully and wonderfully made. I want you to repeat that. I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Again, I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Oh, Lord, again and again. Amen. Come on. Woo! Thank you. Thank you. Love it. What will God do next? I don't know. I don't know. Oh, my gosh. I'm telling you what. This is, this is just fun now. This is just fun now. Come on. Father, in the name of Jesus, Father, we thank you. We thank you for every free heart this morning. We thank you for every free mind this morning, every free soul. 
every spirit that has got new freedom in it this morning, Lord. God, we declare, we, we look to you. God, come and do what only you can do. We thank you, Lord. We thank you, Lord. We thank you, Lord. Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. Wow. Wow, 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 wow. <laughs> well, I mean, I, I've got a message here, so I guess I'll preach. Uh, but uh, try and match that. Hey, we're, uh, we're in the middle of our series. I just, man, I love what Pastor Stacy said. The timing of this is absolutely perfect. Uh, to be honest with you, this was on the schedule for last year. We were supposed to do this through 2021, and we pulled back. We, as we prayed through the summer, we said, no, we're not going to do it. We're going to hold off. And so here we are, uh, October 2022, and we, said, we prayed, yep, yep, okay, this is it. We're going forward. And, man, God is in this. God is in this. God is in this. God is in this. So if you haven't been to an engage group, get to an engage group. There's a list of engage groups out there. The, the ushers can get you one. Uh, sign up on the back of your Engage card. Get the book. It's out of print, but you can find used copies. We've been finding them all over the place. Get yourself to an Engage group because, honestly, listen, it, the subject matter doesn't even matter. The subject matter is not even important. I mean, it's important, and it's important that we're all doing the same thing, but it doesn't even matter what we're talking about. We could be talking about nursery rhymes. We could be doing nursery rhymes this semester, and God would still be moving. <laughs> we happen to be talking about something that's very near and dear to his heart, evangelism, bringing the lost, letting the lost know that God loves them. And so uh, there's a quote from the book that I want to read, page 61. If you haven't read chapter 3 for this week, you've got to read chapter 3 for this week. This is out of chapter 3. This is uh, page 61. It says, if you are a Christ follower. Do we have any of those in here this morning? Anybody? If you are a Christ follower, then you are called, you are equipped, and you are expected to share the gospel, no exceptions. No exceptions. No exceptions. You're not exempted. Exempted. You're not, you're not, you can't get out of it by, by bargaining with God. You can't make a deal with God and say, okay, God, but I'll do this and then I won't have to do that. No. No, 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 no. There are no exceptions. If you are a Christ fo follower, then you are called, you are equipped, and you are expected to share the gospel. No exceptions. No exceptions. So this, this is it. It's all our job. And this book is going to tell us how we can do a more effective job of doing that. Amen? How many of you have loved the book so far? You read one or two chapters, and man, that was really, really helpful. It was helpful to me when I, when I read it. I've read it a bunch of times now. Uh, this is a great, 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 great book on evangelism. Just simple steps to help us to share the gospel. And so today's message is entitled Friendship Evangelism. And sometimes what's necessary when we need to tell somebody about Jesus is we just need to become friends with them. We don't always just go in and say, God this, God that. Sometimes God wants us to go in and make a friend and be friends. And then over the course of time, a year, two years, three years, after we're friends, our friend's going to say, hey, man, what's up with you? Why are you so happy all the time? Over the course of time, our witness that we live will speak more than any words that we could ever say. St. Francis of Assisi said, preach the gospel at all times. When necessary, use words. Yeah. Yeah. Let, let your life be a living epistle. Letter. Let your life be a li living letter. Let your life speak the gospel. Amen. Who do you need to speak the gospel to? The unsaved. Sometimes we got to get around unsaved people. One of the, here's, look, where am we at? 
I don't get ahead of myself. All right. A man who has friends must himself be friendly, but there is a friend who sticks closer than a brother. All right, so we're talking about friendship evangelism. First problem that some of us have is that we don't know how to be friendly. <laughs> you know, let's just get the obvious out of the <laughs> Let's just get the obvious out of the way before we get into the whole idea of friendship evangelism, because if you can't be your friend, then you can't do friendship evangelism. You walk around, you're like, who wants to be a friend with that? Really? I mean, come on. Try to smile. That's better. I mean, I see you're forcing it, but that's all right. That's all right. God sees you're trying. We, a man who has friends must himself be friendly. If you want to have friends, you've got to be friendly. So here's the first step. Be friendly. Be the first person to wave. Smile at people. Make eye contact. These are super simple, friendly things to do. Start up conversation. When you're in conversation, ask more about the other person than you're talking about yourself. <laughs> what? Yeah. When you start a conversation, hey, how are you? Where are you from? What do you do for work? Where did you grow up? There's a million questions. Pastor Tom is a, a pro at this. You could go to lunch with Pastor Tom and you'll walk out of there not knowing anything about the man. Because he's asked you 37 questions over two hours and you're like, I, I talked all the time. I just talked the whole time. We need to be good at this. We need to learn. Just, just keep asking questions. Be interested in the other person. Too many times we're more interested in just sharing what we want to share. Now, a conversation goes both ways. You know, I, share, I ask, they say something, I'll respond with a little bit. You know, somebody says, oh, you know, I love, I love fishing, you know, and, and, and I do what, blah, 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 blah. And they go on for a bit. And then I'm like, yeah, I just, I just started fishing again. You know, I, didn't, I did a little when I was younger and I, I just started doing it again. And then I'll leave it. And if they ask questions, great. I'll give them answers. But if they don't, I've got another question in, in the line. What else do you like to do? Where else do you like to go? Blah, 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 blah. It's about just being friends, just showing that we're actually interested in someone. Because we really are. We're interested in their eternal destiny. But too often, as Christians, we can come across as salesmen because we're using pitches that are pre-folded. When in reality, we need to just be a friend. We need to be a friend. Be a friend. Here's, here's a uh, graph that's in the book. And this is interaction with people that are far from God. And the, the line across the bottom is your years walking with Christ. The, the graph on the left is the interaction that you have with people, individuals who are far from God. In the first year of salvation... There's 20. In the second year of salvation, it drops to 10. In the third year, it drops to five, and, th and then four, six, and then five, and then four, and then three, and then two, and then zero, 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 and then zero. Why does this happen? Why? This is, this is a, this is a, this, this should not be going on. If this is going on, then we haven't, properly engage God's heart because God's heart is for the lost. God's heart is for the lost. And if we have engaged God's heart, then we take on God's heart. And when God's heart breaks for the lost, our heart should be breaking for the lost. Suddenly I find myself when I'm like, I've got to just go someplace where there's people that aren't church people so that I can find some people that are far from God because God's heart is for them. And I'm not even seeing them. How many of us, don't raise your hands. How many of us, this graph would be true? We're on like year eight, nine, or ten, and we don't have any interaction with unsaved people. Don't raise your hands. This is what the graph should look like as we grow years walking with Christ. The love quotient just keeps going up. We accept more grace. We begin to use our gifts to serve others. We focus on people, and then we spread the grace of God. 
to others. And so honestly, we could take the two graphs and marry them, and we should just all be about talking to them about Jesus. It starts out strong, and it didn't fade because I learned more about the grace of God. I learned more about the heart of God. I learned more about how much God is in love with unsaved people, how important a task it is that we talk to them, and now I have to do it because God wants me to. It's not because I'm an evangelist. It's not the evangelist's responsibility. It's everybody's responsibility. I, I, I often say the evangelist will just oftentimes have better results. That's fine. As we walk with Christ, as we continue to walk with Christ, our hearts should become more and more inclined to share the gospel with others, not less. Jesus said in Luke 10, verse 3, he said, Go your way. Behold, I send you out as lambs among wolves. This is the wisdom of God. But think about it for a minute. If you're a lamb and you're going out to see the wolf, what's going to happen? That's not a pretty situation. The wolf's going to try and devour you. The wolf's going to say some pretty mean things towards you. The wolf's going to say some pretty intimidating things towards you. He's going he's to snarl and show his teeth and he's going to growl. And he may even bite or nip at you. He's going to try to hurt you. So just expect this. As you go to share, just expect that people aren't going to be happy. As the lamb goes up to the wolf, the wolf isn't like, oh, hey, great, great to see you. If we understand this scripture, we're going to get hurt and we're going to get ridiculed by those we seek to help. This is what Jesus was actually saying. He says, when you go... I'm sending you out as lambs among wolves. Lambs are completely helpless. They're totally defenseless. And the wolf has everything he needs to kill you. And that's your job. Go ahead. Now, we have the, 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 we have the, 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 uh, We have all of the resources of heaven at our disposal. So when we pray, God will do amazing things. When we pray, heaven comes on the scene. When we step out and we actually begin to just share the love of Christ, God does amazing things. So we don't have to be worried or concerned about being lambs among wolves. Just know that it may not always go so well. And don't be offended when it doesn't go so well. Just don't be offended by it. You, you're going to get ridiculed. You, they're going to try and hurt you. They're going to say mean, thing, mean things about you. You can't be hurt by it. You can't be offended by it. You got to let it roll off your back just like, duck, well, just like water off a duck's back. Boom. That's fine. We, learned, we need to learn to not be offended when people are not accepting of the gospel because it's not you they're rejecting. It's Jesus. It's not you they're rejecting. It's Jesus. The Bible says, woe to him who brings offense, right? He says offenses must come, but woe to him who brings an offense. So when I share the gospel, I don't ever want to offend because the gospel is offense enough. If people are mad because I'm sharing the gospel, then they're mad and they're upset with Jesus. If I bring it in a wrong manner, then they're offended with me and then I'm getting in the way of what God wants to do. I don't ever want that to be the case. And so anytime I ever bring the gospel, I always want it to be in the least offensive manner possible. Luke 19.10 says, The Son of Man has come to seek and save that which was lost. The Son of Man came to seek and save that which was lost. We know the story. Jesus, Christmas, it's coming. Jesus left heaven, stepped into earth, became a man. Heaven is the greatest reality you will ever know. And Jesus left it and he came to earth 
simply leaving there and coming to here is to live in poverty. He could have lived at like the richest person on the planet and he would have still been living in poverty compared to the life that he had in heaven. He left heaven and he came to earth. He lived a perfect sinless life which no one had ever done and then he died a horrific criminal's death on the cross, poured out all of his blood for you and for me. That's what Jesus did. Why did he do it? Because he came to seek and save that which was lost. He didn't do it for fun. He didn't do it because it was a good idea. He didn't do it just because. He didn't do it because the time was right. He did it because there were lost people and there was only one way that they were going to heaven if he were to do it. Read the stories again. Go back and read the gospels again. Jesus hung out with sinners. Jesus was his friend of sinners and tax collectors and prostitutes. The worst of the worst of the worst. And Jesus is like, I'm going to hang out with these people. You know, there's a very interesting scripture. The Pharisees come and they complain about the fact that Jesus is hanging out with all of the worst of the worst of the worst. And what does Jesus say to the Pharisees? Watch Jesus. I don't have this scripture up there, so you're just going to have to go back and double check me. Go back and read your word and double check me. See, that's a trick. Now you've got to go and read your word. <laughs> go read your word and double check me. And he says, Jesus says to them, it's not the healthy who need a physician, but the sick. And so watch this. If the Pharisees were in the right state of heart to receive the words that Jesus said, he actually said they're healthy. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> One person got it. If the Pharisees were in the right state of mind, in the right state of heart to receive the words that Jesus said, he actually said that they're healthy. But they kept the wrong state of heart. And a few verses, chapters later, Jesus would say, you brood of vipers. Wow. <sighs> Jesus came to seek and save that which was lost. He, through the cross, took all of the authority and power of heaven and on earth. He took all the authority that Adam had relinquished through the garden to Satan in his sin. He took the authority back. Jesus took the authority back. And he says in Matthew 28, go into all of the world. All of the authority and the power is mine. Go into the world, preach the gospel. That's in Mark. Go into the world, preach the gospel to every creature. We jump back to Matthew. Go into all of the world and make disciples of all men, teaching them to obey all of the things that I have commanded you. And lo, I am with you always, even till the end of the age. I have the authority. Here it is. Now go and do what I did. Just keep doing what I did. You saw what I did? Just go and keep doing what I did. What did Jesus do? He came to seek and save that which was lost. As Christians, we need to have a, little, a few more unsaved friends in our lives. As Christians, we need to have a few more unsaved friends in our lives. As Christians, we need to have a few more uh, people who don't know Christ in our lives, whether they're friends or acquaintances or associates or something, we need to find a place, something to do where we can get around people that don't know Jesus. We need to find an outlet where we can just get around them. I don't know what it is. I have a lot of interests. I was talking with somebody this week. I have a lot of interests. Um, I fish. I hike. Uh, I bike, uh, I golf, I garden. The list goes on and on. I, I don't want to bore you with everything that I do. The list is long. But what happens is I have all these interests, and suddenly I have conversations that I can have with anybody. I go to the gardening store, and I start talking to somebody about gardening and things growing, and all of a sudden it's like, hey, God lives in every garden. He loves each growing thing. Wait, what? Yeah. We're hiking, and I'm talking to somebody else about hiking. I'm a 46er. I'm 10 away from having my winter badge. Uh, we're talking about hiking, and I'm like, man, 
man, you just feel close to God when you're in the woods. Once you have a common interest, it's real easy to just start talking about the Lord in any of these contexts. Didn't catch anything yesterday when I was fishing. That's right, Jesus is a fisherman. <laughs> we were in a um, we were in a pastors conference one time, and uh, Mark um, Batterson, who wrote the Circle Maker, was there, and he was he was talking, and he said, um, if, "Is your church boring? Well, then you need to go out and get a life and get some stories, because if your church is boring, it's because you're boring." Go and get some stuff to talk about. And I'm like, okay, I'll do it. (laughs) Jude Fuquay said the same thing. Uh, Youth pastor, he had a youth group, and they were like, this youth group's boring. You know why this youth group's boring? Because you're boring. This is not a boring church. It's not a boring church at all. This is anything, this is the furthest thing from boring. Man, I can't wait to get here any day of the week, every day of the week. I get excited just driving up Hoosick. I know that for some of you, it's a, ch- it's a trial of your salvation. <laughs> but as I drive up Hoosick, I'm like, man, we're getting close. Can you feel the presence coming off the place? We're at like 15th Street. And I'm like, come on. Come on. We're about to enter into the glory. <laughs> oh, Lord. You guys are great. Then Saul, still breathing threats and murder... Then Saul, still breathing threats and murder against the disciples of the Lord, went to the high priest and asked letters from him to the synagogues of Damascus so that he found any who were of the way. The way is the the name of the church for the book of Acts church. They're called the way. If he had found any who were of the way, whether men or women, he might bring them bound to Jerusalem. As he journeyed, he came near Damascus and suddenly a light shone from around him around him from heaven. Then he fell to the ground and heard a voice saying to him, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? And he said to him, who are you, Lord? Then the Lord said to him, I am Jesus whom you are persecuting. It is hard for you to kick against the goads. Goad is a long pointy stick that they used to use to poke the um, ox in the butt when he stopped plowing. Right, so get a picture. There's a there's an ox and he's tied to the plow, and I'm holding the handles of the plow, and the ox would go, and the plow gets pulled through the ground, and the ground gets flipped over, right? And well, the the ox gets tired and he doesn't want to walk anymore. So I've got holding the handles like this, but I've got this little stick right here that's attached to the plow and it's attached to the reins, and when the the oxen stops, I just push it forward and his little pokey stick, and I poke him in the butt so that he keeps going, right? And so then if he's going to kick against that thing, if he's going to kick that thing, it's going in deeper. Ouch. Yeah. That's a goad. Understand the terminology. It's difficult to kick against the goads. Here's Paul. Here's Paul. Saul becomes Paul. And what is he doing? He's murdering Christians, He's going around, he's rounding them up, he's putting them in prison. That sounds like an enemy of the church. Does that sound like anybody that's out there today speaking murderous, blasphemous things about God? Do we see this in the news at all? Or everywhere we look, maybe? These are the people that we want to pray to get saved. These are the (laughs) people... These are the people... (laughs) These are the people that we want to pray to get saved. These are the people that we want to go and share the gospel with. If you have an open door, by God, all means, start preaching the gospel to the worst of the worst of the worst, to the God-haters. Why? Because what happened? What happened? What happened? What happened to Paul when he got encountered by the living God? He went from the worst to first. He went from the absolute worst person in the Bible in the history of the church to the absolute first best person in the history of the Bible, the history of the church in the Bible. Paul would go on to write half of the New Testament. Romans, 1 Corinthians, 2 Corinthians, Galatians, Ephesians, Philippians, 1 and 2 Timothy, 1 and 2 Titus. I think I'm missing a couple. Philemon, anybody else? Help me out. 1 and 2 Thessalonians. Galatians, I said Galatians, I think. I said it quick. 
Paul wrote all of that. Paul wrote all of that. How did this happen? He met Jesus. You know, I think one of the problems that we're having right now is that we've neglected to tell the worst of the worst about Jesus. Go find the worst of the worst. Go set up a booth. I don't know how you do it. Go find the worst and say, hey, you need Jesus. It might just be that easy. We might have to use every trick in the book, this one and this one. Put them together, every trick in the books. This is Todd White's story. You know who Todd White was before he became saved? He tells his testimony, so I'll share it. He was a drug dealer. He lived in a mobile home, and the cars used to pull up and run in, run out. Here's the drugs. He was a bad guy. And he got saved, and what did he do? He just starts telling people about Jesus. I'm telling you what, in one walk down one street, that man will get more people saved in, a, in one walk down one street than most of us will get saved in a year, some of us more than their lifetime. But no more. No more. We're new. We're new, and we're fired up, and the Lord is with us, and we will see people saved. Um. One of the preachers was telling a story. He went to go pick Todd White up at the airport. And he pulls up alongside the curb, you know, like you do, right? You're waiting at the airport. And he pulls up alongside the curb. And Todd White comes out the door down, you know, about the length of this room, maybe a little bit more, not much, away. And he's like, oh, hey, you know, waves at him. They, they make eye contact over 150 feet. And he comes out. He sees Todd got into a conversation with the person there. Oh, okay. Two minutes later, that conversation ends. He starts walking. All right, we're, gonna, we're, we're getting ready to go. Pops the trunk. He gets into a conversation for, with another person. Two more minutes, another conversation. A half an hour later, he finally makes it to the car. <laughs> hey, anybody want to pick me up at the airport? Come on. Come on. It might take you all day, but you'll see the glory of God. What are we here for? Some of the problem that we have is that we fill our schedules too much. <laughs> How about if we allow a half an hour for us to walk from the terminal door to the car 150 feet away? <laughs> I know I could do it in 30 seconds or less. If anybody wants to time me, I'll go get my luggage. But what if we didn't have the clock running? See, I think that this is the biggest problem that we have when we go to share the gospel is that the clock's always running. We get out of the car, we go to run in the store, and I say run because we're running in our mind, and we don't give the Holy Spirit a moment to say, hey, you see that guy that's stocking shelves right there? Go and pray for him. We just, it's not that we're disobedient, Right? I think for the most part, I know for myself, when I'm hearing the Holy Spirit say those things, I'm completely ready and willing to obey. I'm, I'm like, I'm all in, God. Let's go. I don't know what you're going to do, but it's going to be cool. Right? The same way it's cool in church, it's going to be cooler in the streets. <laughs> it's going to be cooler in the streets. 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 You have heard from me and John truly baptized with, with water, but you shall be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days from now. You shall receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you shall be my witnesses. The Holy Spirit comes so that we can be his witnesses, so that he can show signs, miracles, and wonders, so that the lost can believe that there is a God. This is what God's about to do in Mass. Why is it so easy for somebody like Todd White or, or, or the Apostle Paul who was Saul to go out and just be this extraordinary soul winner where all bets are off and, and everything is about Jesus? Because in the former life, everything was about defeating Jesus. They lived with such a passion in their former life. Paul lived with such a passion 
as Saul, lived with such a passion, passion to turn out the way, to put out the way, to put out that new church that was rising up, these Jesus freaks that were all over the earth and spreading like wildfire. He was so passionate about it. He murdered people. He bound them up. He went to the high priest and said, hey, I got a good idea how we can stomp this out. I got a good idea. He was more passionate about seeing the way go to pass than anybody. And when Jesus saved him, he's more passionate than anybody about seeing the way flourish, about seeing those Jesus believers flourish. And now Paul is that guy who is turning the world upside down everywhere as he goes, Acts 16, 9. Everywhere as he goes, the world's turned upside down. It's coming to Troy. About to turn the city upside down. God's about to turn the city upside down. It's because of all of you. It's not just me. It's all of us together. I'm one piece of the puzzle. Nobody prayed for Allison when she got healed. She prayed for herself. She may have been learning uh, through, through different teachings. What's the authority of the believer? And through prayer, going to prayer groups. How do I pray? How does this? How does that? But when push came to shove, she prayed and did it herself. This is, this is church. <laughs> this is church. <laughs> I mean, I want to I pray and see people healed. But you know what gets me more excited? Is when somebody else prays and they get healed too. Because yeah. it can't just be about me. I don't want anything to be about me. I got another testimony coming. Elizabeth prayed for somebody. They're in the pipeline. They're coming. They're coming. They're coming. <laughs> ah, glory to God. Hey, this week, this week, be friendly. Turn your frown upside down. Turn your frown upside down. If you have to glue it on, praise God. Start with something simple. Wave. Wave. I told you the story. I'll tell it again. When I was a little kid, I used to ride my bike in and out. There's a, a park behind, and there was 80 residents that lived back there. And so I would wave. I would always wave, and they'd always wave back. And so one, one week, I decided I wasn't going to wave, and I was going to see what happened. And so I didn't wave. You know what? No, almost nobody waved to me. Pastor Paul lived in the park, and Pastor Paul continued to wave to me. For those of you who know who he was, who he is, he kept waving to me. But most of the other people didn't. It was very few. And I was like, ah, this isn't working. I'm going to just go back to waving. I, I, I'm, I'm not going to be friendly because nobody else is friendly. I'm just going to keep waving. I don't care if they think that I'm a fool. I wasn't even saved yet, guys. How much more, as us who are declaring the gospel, should we be friendly? Should we look like we're at least a little happy? I've been um, pastoring people for years. Uh, when I was doing the youth thing, there was a young guy, and we were getting intense in worship in those days. <laughs> and, uh, you know, worshiping. And so he, this, this young guy, he's out there worshiping. He's like, right? And he's got this look on his face. And I'm like, hey, hey, are you happy about Jesus? Can you let your face know? Because we think you're in pain. If you're worshiping the king of kings and there's pleasure forevermore at his right hand and you're entering into his glory, the face doesn't fit. Like, just communicate. I know that, you know, whatever, you're trying to exude passion, but let your face communicate what's in your heart, not in your mind. With our mind, we're trying to communicate passion, so it's, but our heart says joy, and so it's, and so some of us just need to bypass the mind. <laughs> Some of us just need to bypass the mind and let the heart speak through the face. I know we're getting into dangerous territory. We're going to put our heart on our face. Some of you are in trouble. But we'll pray for you and God will reveal. Come on. And this is glorious because when we commit to this process, suddenly we have to get our hearts clean. How do we get off on this trail? I have no idea. But it's good. We have to get our hearts clean. And when we come to the Lord, 
expectant, he'll do amazing things. When we come to the Lord ready, unwilling to walk away unsatisfied, oh, come on. Now we've become like the, the, um, the widow of Nain. Is that who it was? Right? I, even the dogs eat the crumbs that fall from the table. I'm not going to be denied. Give me something. I'm not going away. We're Jacob who wrestled with God, who wrestled with God until he got his blessing. I won't let you go. I won't let you go. I won't let you go. <laughs> Glory to God. Hey, be friendly, right? Put the smile on your face. Let what's in your heart come out your face. If you need help there, God can help with your heart so that you're smiling and not something else. Show interest in others. Show interest in others. Be interested in people. Why did Jesus leave heaven and come to earth? For people. And we're like, I want to go be a hermit. Put me away all by myself. I don't want to see people. You know what the problem I have is? It's not that I'm not patient. It's people. <laughs> lies. You tell yourself lies. Be, inter <laughs> Be interested in people. Come on. They're great. You're going to find out a lot. I did. Come on, let's pray. Father, in Jesus' name, Lord, we thank you for this uh, sermon series. We thank you for each week. God, we thank you that you are making us all soul winners. Lord, I thank you that you are making us those who will share the gospel God, at the drop of a hat, at the least of your promptings. God, this week, I pray, help us to make time when we go in to grab something from the grocery store or whatever it is, wherever we find ourselves, God. Help us to make time. God, help us to, help us to make that 30-second walk a 30-minute walk. God, that we wouldn't be in a hurry. God, help us to schedule the Holy Spirit in our daytimers into our calendars. God, that we would take a five-minute event and mark down that we need 30 because we know God's going to do something. God, move in our lives, in our days. God, do what only you can do. In Jesus' name, amen, amen, amen.